Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 263 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 2 Timothy chapter 3 today, and our focus is on what will be the sign that we are living in the last days, plus how to survive the last days, and we will kick off with who are Jans and Jambres. Well, thank you all for joining us. Our goal is to involve you in daily Bible listening, following, obeying, and understanding. Welcome to new listeners in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Swaziland, Manipur, India, Castelo Branco, Portugal, Parts Unknown, Sweden, and Finland, Selangor, Malaysia, Los Angeles, California, Atlanta, Georgia, Honolulu, Hawaii, and Phoenix, Arizona. I do want to point you to our website, which is Bible2021.com. That is the best place to subscribe to the show, and every episode has a transcript. So three topics today, and we'll start with a fairly simple one. Who in the world are Jans and Jambres? And if you're unfamiliar with the names, Paul uses them as an example in today's chapter. In verse 8, he says, Just as Jans and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. So we have our first clue of who they are in that passage. These are people who were opponents of Moses. Unfortunately, a quick Bible search reveals that these mysterious figures only show up in 2 Timothy 3. They're not in the Old Testament at all. So who were they? Well, I think most first century Jews would not have asked that question as these guys were apparently something along the lines of household names at the time. According to several ancient documents, not the Bible, but others, including the apocryphal text, the apocryphon of Jans and Jambres, the magicians, as well as the pseudo-epigraphical Testament of Solomon, which simply means it wasn't really written by Solomon, as well as the Babylonian Talmud, and what might be the book of Jasher, <laughs> Jans and Jambres are the names of two of Pharaoh's court magicians or wise men who opposed Moses and Aaron during the Ten Plagues incident in the book of Exodus. They were able to duplicate some of the plagues and miracles of God, but not quite to the level as God did, and others they were not able to duplicate at all. Now, the book of Jasher is mentioned in the Bible as being a historical book like First and Second Chronicles, but the earliest copy that has survived of that particular book is dated to the 1500s, and it's not really certain whether this copy is the same as the book of Jasher that's mentioned in the Old Testament. So who are Jans and Jambres? Well, these are the two magicians that opposed Moses and Aaron and tried to duplicate some of the miracles of God. Next topic. What will be the indications that we are living in the last days? Well, in the first few verses of 2 Timothy 3 today, Paul gives us some of the clearest answers to that question that we have in all of Scripture. He says, but know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people." Well, I count in that list about 20 indicators of what the last days will look like. Let's break some of those down. What will the last days look like, Paul? Could we possibly be living in the last days? Well, let's go through Paul's list one by one and kind of discuss it. Number one, the last days will be hard. Hard times. 
Well, that's a fairly general description, but he's about to be more specific. Number two, people will be lovers of self. Now, I find this one in particular very interesting, and I take it to mean that there will be a peculiar and noticeable amount of self-love and selfishness because humans have always been pretty selfish. Now, I'm only 49 years old. Uh, I guess that's a lot, but I see more people posting about self-love and talking about self-love in the last year or two than any other time of my life. Is it wrong to love yourself? Is self-care wrong? Well, the Bible says we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, and I think that's one of the only verses I can think of that is remotely about self-love. Also, Paul's command to husbands to um, love their wives as they love themselves, essentially. And I can't really think of many others. Uh, the vast majority of the Bible pushes us to love others and put them first. People today don't really seem to be very into that idea of prioritizing love for others. Number three, lovers of money. Again, people always love money, right? But Paul seems to be saying that this will be a particularly present dynamic in the last days. Do people especially love money now compared to past generations? I don't know. Maybe. I haven't noticed a particular increase in that in my lifetime, at least, but maybe I'm missing it. Number four, boastful. Well, given the advent of social media, our society certainly seems more boastful now than they did in previous decades. Uh, number five, proud. Well, ditto. Same as boastful. Seems to be on the increase. Number six, demeaning. Well, again, I'm going to refer back to social media. It seems to be that we're in an age of greatly increased demeaning. Go check the comments on a few YouTube videos or popular Facebook posts and you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. Number seven, disobedient to parents. Well, the amount of respect and obedience that parents warrant today almost certainly seems to have faded over the past few decades. Number eight, ungrateful. Are we living in an especially ungrateful age? I don't know. Number nine, unholy, most certainly. I think being holy and pleasing God with our lifestyle and our choices in this age and era is more derided now than at any time in the past. Very few people value living a holy life. The focus is on living an affirming and fulfilling life, much more so than a holy life, no doubt. Well, number 10, unloving. Are we living in an especially noticeably unloving age? Well, that's a good question. We seem to have redefined love over the last few years to mean acceptance and tolerance and sort of a live and let live kind of attitude. And that's not really what love is. But does that mean we're living in an age where we are peculiarly unloving? I, I don't know. Hard to say. Number 11, irreconcilable. Well, look, I've never known, at least in the United States, our current situation seems to be so much more irreconcilable than we have been in the past. And I mean from a political perspective, but also other issues too, like sexuality, race, vaccines, COVID, etc. It seems people are just not willing to reconcile on so many of these issues. And so I think this is a pretty good descriptor of our current generation. Number 12, slanderers. Yeah, that seems to have massively increased, just like demeaning has increased. People seem to have no hesitation these days in assuming the worst about somebody and then saying it, especially online. Well, does that mean, just because we see it more online, that slander and demeaning have legitimately increased? Or does it just seem that 
way because of social media and more online interactions? And the answer is, I don't know. I'm not sure how to answer that. Number 13, are we a generation without self-control? Well, yes, current Western society seems to be highly characterized by a noted lack of self-control, but is it more so than in the past? Look, I hate to keep punning on this, and we'll talk about that at the end, but it's just hard to say. It does feel like we have less self-control than generations past. Well, what about number 14, brutal? Are we more brutal than the Romans who put people to death in the Colosseum and crucified people by the tens of thousands? Eh, I have no idea. I I don't think so, but you know, considering the movies we watch, maybe. Our Olympians have more clothing. They mostly participated in the nude, and our football players probably die less than the gladiators did. Does that mean we're less brutal? Eh, hard to say. Number 15, without love for what is good. Look, I think that sentence defines our generation. Both liberals and conservatives, young and old, rich and poor, whatever, we tend to love and make popular shady things and not care very much about good things. Number 16, traitors. Well, this is an odd Greek word. I went and looked it up. It seems to mean somebody who breaks an agreement or a truce or a promise or a contract or something like that. Does our word mean less in 2021 than it did a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, 500 years ago? I think it probably does, but I have no way uh, to go back and test that, right? It's a very hard thing to quantify. Number 17, reckless. That Greek word seems to mean impetuous, not thinking, you know, something along those lines, not not putting a lot of thought into your actions. Well, that does seem an apt description of our current times, but it can also describe other centuries too, couldn't it? Number 18, conceited. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty darn conceited right now. See, boastful and proud. We've already talked about that. Number 19, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, I believe this is as apt a description of life in 2021 as could be penned. It seems almost uncannily accurate as a description of our age. The goal of our age is pleasure, and few would rank love of God over pleasure in their hierarchy of importance. Number 20, last one. Holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Does this accurately describe our age? Well, it sounds like Paul is talking about a form of hypocrisy, right? Like going to church, labeling oneself a Christian, but not living a life that shows the transformative power of knowing Jesus. And that does seem quite common today, but it also seemed like it was very common in the past too. So that is my somewhat frustrating breakdown of how Paul describes the sociological and psychological condition of the last days. As you can see, several of those qualifications are pretty difficult to quantify. We don't just have a number system that breaks down each century or decade based on certain criteria. I do see several descriptors that Paul uses which seems to absolutely nail our current climate. Like, we are lovers of self, particularly. Lovers of pleasure, yes, rather than lovers of God. Without love for what is good, and we seem to be like totally irreconcilable these days. I see other descriptors that, you know, I'm not so sure about. Maybe we're not as brutal as past generations. Well, what do you think? I do believe that the closer we get to the last days, the clearer it will be that we are in the last days. And I imagine that these descriptors and the ones we see in other places in the Bible, like, for instance, what Jesus says in Matthew 24, will undoubtedly describe the situations of the last days and the fact that some of these descriptors could go 
either way makes me think that, well, we aren't quite there yet. But when we are there, what we read in 2 Timothy 3 and Matthew 24 will be much, much more clear. Well, what if we are there, however? Let's just say hypothetical we are, hypothetically we are, or what if we get there soon and we all of a sudden look around and find ourselves living in the last days? Well, what do we do? Do we build shelters, hoard food, dig tunnels, acquire lots and lots of guns and bullets? Well, Paul gives us some advice here through the advice he gives to Timothy, and it's a lot more spiritual than that. In verses 14 through 17, he says, But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, that's it, friend. As the last days draw closer, we must draw closer to God's word. Continue in what we've known from God's word and keep going back to it because we will have wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus from that word of God and it will be profitable for us in every situation, even in especially a last day situation. Now, I realize I didn't answer the question of whether or not we are living in the last days and honestly, it's because I don't know the answer to that question. I'd just be guessing, but I do know that God's word is a to equip you and me and train us and prepare us for whatever age we are living in. So let's read our passage and take it in. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, hard times will come in the last days for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, without love for what is good, Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women, overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jans and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Jans and Jambres. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, All who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Well, we will close out with our Bible passage of the month. It is from this chapter, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. We'll say it one more time. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, 
for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.